Dear fellow redeemed, imagine that in your hands you hold a piece of paper. On it, it says owner and your name is printed. It's the title to property in Australia. A hundred acres of property land along the Queensland coastline. This astoundingly beautiful property goes right up to the ocean. It's amazing. And it's yours. And you quickly decide, I'm going to retire here. And so, even though you have that in name only, you don't yet have the full enjoyment of being there. You're here living in Texas. You don't yet have that. Yet, every day goes without, hardly a day goes by without you thinking about that future time when you'll be on that beautiful, gorgeous piece of land. Dear friends, it is really a very similar thing for believers. Because the Lord God has made you citizens of heaven. He has declared you righteous on account of Christ. In baptism, he adopts the sinner into his family, gives them faith, and makes them heirs of his kingdom, including eternal life in the paradise of heaven. The Apostle Paul writes about this today, and he wants you to know that God wants you to think about this. He wants you to think and focus on your true home. He wants you to say, my citizenship is in heaven. Our reading for today is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. And the Apostle Paul has just been talking about how uh, he's looking forward so much to the resurrection of the dead and the inheritance of heaven. I invite you to stand as we read verses 12 through 21. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but there is one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature continue to think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you too. Only let us think the same thing and walk in line with what we have already attained. Brothers, join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. To be sure, Many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I told you about them often 
and now I am saying it while weeping. Their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame. They are thinking only about earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly are waiting for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. Dear Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are the truth. We ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Please be seated. Earth is not your home. Earth is not your home. Stop thinking only about earthly things. The Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years would not have considered that wilderness to be their home. No. Rather, they were looking forward to the promised land. They had that as their goal. And eventually, they were led into that promised land. And that promise was fulfilled for them. Likewise, this is not your home. Your address of residence, some of you are watching, sitting on your couch at home, that is not your home. You have a much more exciting home waiting for you. Your goal is heaven. There is now no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Through the cross of Christ, through his cross, you can know it for sure. God gives you salvation free without payment, no charge. Wow! And you can know this for certain. You can know it for sure. Paul tells the Philippians, and also you and me, he says to, to press on toward it. He's like a, a coach kind of jogging alongside his runner, saying, come on, press on, you're almost at the finish line, keep going, push through the pain. Maybe for us he'd be pointing upward, your upward calling, press on. And he also says to pay attention to the teaching of faithful Christians, and he even uses himself and the other apostles as an example. We can look at that. And in fact, today we might look at our pastors, Perhaps we might look at parents or grandparents that we have, or maybe those mature Christians in our congregation. The Lord wants you to think. Look at the pattern of their life. Think about how they live, the walk that they are walking, the decisions that they are making, how they act, and so on. Think about those things, not just earthly things. 
It's no wonder that Paul has tears in in his eyes as he tells them, as he writes to the Philippians and to you and to me. The irony, the irony, the most amazing message in the world, bar none, we have it. It's amazing. The entire world, from the fall into sin, when death came into the world, has been corrupted. We are living in a world that is filled with evil, that is filled with hatred, that is filled with sickness, disease, pain. And it is a world that God should rightly condemn and damn to eternity, all people who are living on it. But our merciful God had a plan to save us. He would send a Savior. In fact, it was His own Son, And on the cross of Christ, all of that sin, the shame, is gone. Your redemption is won. The cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. Our world should be parading around with the cross of Christ. We should have people in the streets, not with slogans on their t-shirts, but with the cross. Yeah, we see crosses on churches maybe, but people should be celebrating it everywhere. People should have tattoos of crosses. This should be the symbol that everyone rejoices in. How ironic that the Apostle Paul says, with tears in his eyes, that there are those who hate the cross. They despise the cross. They reject Christ. They reject the one place where they can have redemption for their sins the one source of salvation. They reject it, and in fact, they hate it. They live as enemies of it. The irony is astounding. He says, To be sure, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I told you about them often, and now I am saying it while weeping. Their end is destruction. Interesting how Paul, in his description of it, right away he goes to the conclusion of it all. The end is destruction. When the judgment comes... This is not going to get them anywhere. They will be condemned. They have rejected that one source of salvation. He goes on to say, their God is their appetite. Their God is their appetite. They have an appetite not just for food, but for things like power, wealth, fame, pleasure. They set that that's their idol. It's a false god that they worship with their lives. And then he says, if that's not bad enough, he says, their glory is in their shame. That's kind of like an oxymoron. Those are opposites. Shame, what a shame, is shameful. If you do something shameful, it's shameful. It's that glory is in their shame. And then he concludes by saying they are thinking only about earthly things. And here's the key. We talk about worldviews. What's someone's worldview? Where you step away from looking at the details on a particular issue, the opinions and so on, and you step back and you go, well, what's the bigger picture here? What is this person? How do they view the world? What is their view on the spiritual world? Are they coming with a presupposition of anti-supernaturalism? What is their thoughts on the afterlife? Do they reject any form of afterlife? Well, 
that will shape then how they view these particular issues in front of them and their opinions. And the Apostle Paul is warning against having such a worldview. They live their life as such in wickedness. They teach others their shameful ways. They embrace and in fact promote their earthly perspective on life and living. And we often see that perspective and it upsets us. It makes us sad. It makes us at times sick. Or does it? Well, I don't like that, except for that bit. Well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. It's easy for us to start, as we, if we start losing perspective of our citizenship in heaven, if we start focusing more on our earthly life, our worldview can shift and we start seeing things from the same perspective as these who are enemies of the cross of Christ. We need to be careful. We do not want to end up with that same destruction. The psalmist, Psalm 1, warns against how this can be a progression. When, and we, maybe we think of steps away from that citizenship in heaven when the psalmist talks about the blessed man is one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, who does not stand on the path with sinners, or who does not sit in a meeting with mockers. We want to be aware of that perspective. My citizenship is in heaven. I will not think only about earthly things. The Apostle Paul says, he acknowledges that he hasn't yet attained his citizenship, but he says, one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead, he says. Forgetting the things that are behind. You can do that too. Forget the things that are behind in your life. Don't, as you're walking your walk or running the race, don't continue to look back. Maybe at some shameful thing you did in your past, some mistakes that you've made. You know, if you keep looking back, it's going to be very slow moving forward. In fact, you might trip, fall, lose your direction. You can know that that shame has been taken away at the cross of Christ. Your mistakes, they're all gone, paid for with Christ's lifeblood at the cross. It's gone. God has forgiven you and he has forgotten it. You too, move on. Face forward or maybe upward and move on. Press on towards the goal. The Apostle Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus also took hold of me. Christ Jesus also took hold of me. There's some encouragement for us. We have a new kitten in our home and it's kind of fun to pick up that kitten although he's rapidly growing and it's kind of fun to hold the kitten and walk around with the kitten. Well, when he's not trying to bite in my arm like kittens do, when, he, when he's behaving, it's fun to kind of walk him around and maybe put him down at his feed dish, guide him. But there are times when as I'm walking around with the kitten, 
he'll spot something that he wants to play with, and all of a sudden he'll, he'll try to move toward it and squirm and wiggle and push away from me until eventually I have to just let him go and he drops under the ground and runs after that thing. Christ has taken hold of you. He has you in his arms. He has paid the price for your citizenship. He has even given faith in your heart through the Holy Spirit. He's claimed you as his own. He is holding you, and he guides you through this life, and he wants to take you to your heavenly property. And he doesn't speak to you with a high-pitched voice like you would speak to a kitten, but rather he speaks to you in another way, through his word. Through his word. His word keeps your mind on your upward calling, your heavenly citizenship. It reminds you that this place is not your permanent home. It tells you, he tells you not to be distracted by the earthly pursuits of this life. Paul concludes the section, verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has you in His arms right now by faith. We trust in His promise. We hear His voice through the Scriptures. But we are looking forward to that day when He returns in His full glory and takes us so that we can experience that full presence in His majesty, the joy that we will have then. Paul says... By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. In this life, many people focus on their humble human bodies. You know, this can be good, but again, we need to keep it in context, to think. That word comes up so many times in our lesson, to think. We think of our heavenly citizenship. We can see our humble bodies and we attempt to make them better, improve them, make them last longer. And these things can be good. Exercise, healthy eating. Some people go into buying expensive clothing, fitted clothes, plastic surgery, so on. We want to have perspective. We want to keep our citizenship in heaven in mind. We want to keep in mind that one day Jesus is going to return and one day he is going to very powerfully transform your humble earthly body and give you a glorified body. It's going to be a far greater transformation than any Pilates or weight training or Chloe Ting videos can do for you. He is going to give you an immortal body like his own. A glorified body. This is one of those prizes that you can just look forward to, especially if you're someone who has gone through this life suffering from some kind of chronic illness you can especially be looking forward to this part of the last day, getting that glorified body. Crucial 
in his commentary on this passage, he says, At his reappearing, our Savior will raise all the dead. He will transform believers' bodies so that they will reflect the perfect blessedness of their glorified souls. In the resurrection, Jesus will make believers' bodies like his own glorified body. All sinfulness, weakness, and the consequences of sin will be forever purged away. Believers' bodies and souls will be reunited to live forever in perfect eternity in heaven with Christ. Dear friends, you may not have a piece of paper with a title honored in your name to any property on earth, but I have good news for you today. You are a citizen of heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there. Amen.